0: And welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast, the show where we bring you incredible interviews, race reviews, and the latest news in F1. I'm your host, Ollie, and I'm really hot because it's boiling in the UK, not as boiling as where James is. Uh, James, how are you?
2: Oh, I see. It, it feels fine here now in comparison to the 42 degrees I had last time when we were recording this in the south of France, back in Paris. I don't know what you lot are complaining about. It's fine.
0: Uh, well, I mean, it's it, where I'm sitting, it's 33.8. I have no idea how you could record a, por- a podcast over 40 degrees. Um, Abby, how are you coping with the heat? You, I think you're struggling like me. We're, we're just wimps compared to James. He's just... Ugh.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the, just the British weather. I mean, this heat abroad with a swimming pool would be fine. But when we're stuck in our offices, it is a bit much. But I'm looking forward to recording the podcast with you guys, so I'm all good. How are you, Ollie, despite being really hot?
0: Oh, thanks, Abby. (laughs) No, I'm fine, thank you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Right, well, coming up on the show, we're going to discuss the Italian Grand Prix at Monza. And let's start with our weekend ratings. James, I'm going to start with you. How would you rate the weekend? I'm going to give it
2: a 7 out of 10. Okay, obviously same winner again. Ultimately, not to, to spoil the rest of the podcast, but Saturday was a, a very feel-good moment, and yeah, yeah, the standard heavy lifting from a very chaotic F two race as well. Um, overall,
0: yeah, I, it had some good moments. I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Okay, and on the Mackenzie scale, which anything above five is good, um, that's a that's a good rating. Um, it is. It is, it is. Abby, what are you gonna give it? I feel like we got a shot coming, knowing Abby.
1: I've actually also rated it a seven out of ten because Saturday was very good with qualifying. There were some really good battles on track during the race and as James said, F two and F three with F three season finale as well. They did some heavy lifting, but it was a it was a good weekend.
2: I thought you were going to give it like a 3 out of 10 because someone was wearing baggy <laughs> cargo trousers or whatever it was last time that
0: made you hate the uh, the Atlanta, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, I, I thought I thought something was going to come like that. But, um, that well, great. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I thought it was a fantastic weekend, some brilliant racing. And, of course, it was in Italy. The passion just always comes through. And it was um, great to watch on TV. So, as it was the Italian Grand Prix, we have got an Italian special of the Formula Nose quiz coming up. It is that time of the week where we do the Formula Nerds quiz. I will hand it over to our trusty quiz master, Abby.
1: Thank you. Now, it is only the two of you, so I hope... I mean, James, you have an extensive knowledge, but Ollie, I'm expecting you to answer oh, wow. some of these questions.
0: Uh, J- uh, James, you actually know what you're talking about, but Ollie, um, maybe you, you can answer some as well? You do, but you leave it to Sam
1: and James the majority of the time. But this <laughs> do you know time... what it is?
0: I've just got a terrible memory. Everyth- I, I, I've watched all the li- all of the things that you're going to talk about, but I've, I, I I just can't <laughs> remember them.
2: I don't know, okay. she's asked us questions about the 60s before, and I'm guessing you haven't watched them. <laughs>
0: Well, we'll see.
1: So, question one. The Italian Grand Prix has been on the official F1 World Championship calendar since 1950. Prior to this, what year did the first Italian Grand Prix take place?
2: Uh, 1922. (laughs) Very close. I swear they said it was 101 years, like, to the day.
0: In the broadcast, I saw that come up. I'm going to go 1921.
1: I have 1921 as the answer. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> i got James Mackenzie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I swear that uh, maybe they got it wrong. Uh, because they I swear they said 101, because I was like, oh, they didn't do anything for the century thing that I remember yeah. last
0: year.
1: Question two. Since 1950, all except one of those has been held at the Autodromo Nazionale di Monza. What year was the exception, and where was it held?
2: Imola. It's 1980?
1: Yes.
0: And now we've just got both. Yeah. 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 Well, not this year, but anyway.
1: Question three How many times since 1950 have Ferrari won the Italian Grand Prix as a constructor?
0: Oh my um, guy's like in the teens. Yeah, I reckon so. 17. Close. Oh, okay. So let's see
2: if I can do what you did earlier. Uh, 18. <laughs>
1: Closer. <laughs> not quite 19? Right. <laughs> <19.
2: laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. Question four. Ferrari were also winners as an engine supplier with a different constructor. Now, there's three points available. If you can name the constructor, the driver that they won with, and the year that it happened.
2: Okay, I've got this. Ollie, you've seen this race. I'm going to yeah. give you a clue. Toro Rosso. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. I don't know it was the year that I'm stuck on. I'm going to go... Yeah.
2: 2008.
0: Correct. I was going to say 2007. I knew it was wrong.
1: <laughs> Question 5. Two drivers are tied for having won the most Italian Grand Prix. Who are they and how many times have they each won?
0: Um
2: I'll say Hamilton. I, mean, mm-hmm. I was going to say Hamilton and Schumacher is always a fair bet. Yeah, I was going yes. to say them too. Yeah. That's okay. That's correct. And then number 5 or 6. 6. 5. Five. <laughs> <laughs> Just going the wrong way every time.
1: Question six. Since 2000, how many winning driver nationalities have there been in the Italian Grand
2: Prix? So we've got German and British, Lewis and Michael. Yeah. OK, so let's work backwards. Because there was five different ones in a row, obviously, wasn't there? So we've got Max, Dutch, uh, Ricardo Australian, Gasly, French, uh, Charles, Monégasque, uh, Lewis... Uh, British, mother, by the way. German. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> British and German. So that's six. <laughs> two thousand. Probably a Finn, be it Kimi or Hakkinen. Oh, uh, uh, Abby's raised eyebrows <laughs> have told Ab- me that. Abby indicated.
0: Not probably not. I'm, uh, do you know <laughs> what? I reckon.
2: Like, it's like, going to be one or two more. Probably I don't know, like Montoya or someone, or Barrichello. Like there'll be a, another. Let's okay, say stick, eight. stick one on, yeah.
1: Okay. No,
2: it's oh. nine. Oh. oh my god! How many times can I be one out? <laughs> this is infuriating. <a> <laughs> what did we miss, Abby?
1: Uh, Brazilian, Colombian, and Spanish. Oh,
2: massa! I was literally I, so I literally said the two and then just <laughs> forgot Alonso, who famously won for Ferrari.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> Question seven: Can you name all the drivers to have won the Italian Grand Prix since two thousand? So you've just named some of them.
0: Okay. H- Hamilton, I reckon, is one of them. Okay. Schumacher, I reckon, is one of them. Uh, Vettel's one so, of them.
2: Yeah. So then we've got the five that I said and I'm not going to bother saying again <laughs> in a row. And then clearly Alonso, Montoya, and then is it Barrichello or Massa? Barrichello? Mm
1: hmm. Well done. Question eight Which father and son have both won the Italian Grand Prix?
2: Ooh, it's Hill or Rosberg, probably, isn't it?
0: Um, Hill.
1: Correct. final question question nine because there are some bonus points for this question first bit how many British drivers have won at Monza in the F1 championship history there's 21 wins in total
2: okay so British drivers okay did I don't remember Jensen winning it
0: Um, no I don't so then did Sterling Moss win it I feel like yeah yeah Sterling Moss won it yeah, that was the um, yeah. You were born, wasn't it? <laughs> Sterling Moss, uh, Sterling Moss, Lewis Hamilton, um, Graham Hill, Damon Hill, Graham Hill, Graham Hill, Graham Hill. <laughs> is, is They're better known.
2: Like, is that like uh, Brangelina? <laughs> um, okay, who else? James Hunt, maybe. Nigel Mansell. Mansell, uh, yes. How many? Are we. I'll go with that. Short. Sure. I can't think. This is that there. the question? <laughs> is that the question? I can't remember.
1: You've got five.
2: Okay. There's some more. Okay. More. Coulthard Yes. Certes uh, Clark. Yeah. Stewart. Yes. Yeah, it was like the one where he won by a, a fingernail, wasn't it? I mean, Mike Hawthorne. No. Oh. <laughs> How Ooh. many have we got left? Ooh, oh, oh, oh. Three left. Tony Brooks. Three left. Yes. Tony Brooks. Yeah. But, great shout. Um Peter Collins.
1: No, but there is a Peter.
2: <laughs> oh, Gethin? get
1: Yes. And one more.
2: Oh, <laughs> I am really did You're going to need a clue. <laughs> it was
1: part get of as over the year. The, over here. the year, okay,
2: 1995. Oh, Johnny Herbert. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oof. got there in the end with uh, quite a bit of help. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that was 12 British drivers.
2: Which was the original question, which we yes. just totally abandoned and went for the bonus points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I even asked you for the answer. <laughs> so, Abby, how did we do on the scoring?
1: You got 21 out of 24.
0: I'll take that. That is. Well done. I feel
2: generous, but I will take it. Thank you, Abby, as ever. The most <laughs> if, generous quiz master in all the land. <laughs> if ever
0: I needed to do a pub quiz with someone, it would be James McKenzie. <laughs> Only if it's all on F1, though. <laughs> So, let's get into the pre-race action. Abby, do you want to fill us in on what happened on in practice and quali?
1: Yes, so in FP1, Lance Stroll was not in the car. It was Felipe Drogovic taking his place. And unfortunately for both Alfa Romeos, they struggled with issues throughout the session. I think Joe reported that it was a problem with the anti-stool. And then Bottas reported the same issue. However, they were able to fix it in time for FP2. The top drivers in FP1 were Verstappen, Sainz and Perez. And then in FP2, Stroll was back in the car, but he came to a stop just after the Ascari chicane due to a hydraulic issue, which brought out the red flags. Hamilton impeded Piastri. Verstappen got a telling off from his engineer when he wanted to do another push lap, but they said, it's not qualifying, Max. And then Perez, once again, crashed. And he crashed at the final corner, which Red Bull weren't very happy about, but he did manage to go third fastest in the session behind... Science and Norris. And then FP3, Sonoda was impeded by Science because traffic and track position was becoming an issue throughout the sessions. Norris had a close call with Joe. Piastri and Bottas went into the gravels. And Piastri and Science then had a moment causing a slight collision at turn four, but it was Science, Verstappen, and Hamilton fastest in FP3.
0: So a lot to digest. Uh, Thank you, Abby. James, any key call outs there? I think I feel like we're. uh... I don't want to do it. But do we need to target Perez? Yeah. I, I just I don't no,
2: want to. Do I think it. I think we've said everything we have to say <laughs> between our, our recent podcasts and recent race reviews. Yeah, not ideal, but you know, if you're going to do it, end of FP2 is is the better time to do it. Fix it overnight and it brought this, this session to an end for everyone who didn't even miss out on any track time. But yeah, another blot on the uh,
0: the copybook. It was. That luck didn't seem to follow him through the weekend, which was, I, I say luck. Again, what is luck? Do you make your own luck? Who knows? Um, one person who just seemed off the pace, and I think this may follow through all the way through the podcast, but Stroll, I feel like we we need to have a conversation about Stroll. Maybe we leave it to another podcast. But, Abby, what are you thinking about Stroll at the moment? He, seem, he seems to have just checked out.
1: He does. He's definitely not on the same level of performance that Alonso is and they're the two very different drivers but they are ultimately in the same car but Alonso just seems to be able to get more performance and more pace out of that Aston Martin than Stroll. Obviously this weekend FP1 and FP2 he had little to no running at all so you could say he was behind on in that respect but he is an experienced F1 driver so Something's got to happen for him to start improving and matching his teammate because he is off the pace compared to Alonso.
0: Yeah,
2: I mean, he was... Oops, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was certainly a, a bit hamstrung by, yeah, FP1 being sat out and FP2 not getting a go. But, you know, I think the best would always find their way, even if they only get an hour. Yeah, it's just... It was a very, very anonymous weekend from him. Uh, Obviously, the the Aston was struggling in general. Fernando barely scraped some points himself, but Lance going out in Q1 and not even close to getting through uh, was a shocker, as I'm sure you're now about to tell us in uh, in the qualifying recap.
1: Yes. So it was the alternative format to qualifying, meaning hards for Q1, mediums for Q2, and softs for Q3 this weekend. And in Q1, you had Albon going fastest at one point, so the Williams are continuing their run of good pace. Norris and Ocon nearly came together. Track limits became an issue with Alonso, Stroll, Gasly, Piastri, and some other drivers getting laps deleted. But it was Joe, Gasly, Ocon, Magnuson, and Stroll that went out in the session.
0: Any surprises there, guys? I, I'm not going to lie; I missed this live, um, but when I watched it back, I thought seems about right.
1: I think for me, the only surprise was both Alpine's being out in Q1, yeah, that considering. Was a yeah, I was expecting Coming them the, to at least the get high to Q2.
2: Yeah, the high of Gasly's podium, and then again, they just looked absolutely nowhere. It looked like genuinely the worst car in the field, which is just amazing obviously we know all about their engine deficits and them trying to get uh, engine equalization but for both to go out in q1 is uh yeah not a good look
1: Exactly, and it meant that Lawson was through to Q2. Obviously, he's replacing Daniel Ricciardo, and this was his first full F1 weekend doing all sessions. But in Q2, Hamilton, he was held up by Perez at one point, and he generally struggled throughout the whole weekend. Science continued his run of form from practice, but it was Sonoda, Lawson, Hulkenberg, Bottas and Sargent that went out in Q2. And
2: Lawson matched... De Vries' best qualifying performance in his whole, well, half a season in his second attempt. So a uh, shout out to him for that. That's that's good going. And just behind Yuki, wasn't he, in one place. He's yeah. showing some genuinely great signs, I think.
1: He is. And also to note, both Ferrari drivers were under investigation because the FIA introduced a new directive over the weekend that there has to be... There was a maximum time from the safety car line at the end of the pit lane to the safety car line at the beginning of the pit lane. And both were noted for not following that. However, after qualifying had finished, it said that there was no further action needed, which was which good. Which
0: was a relief. It was. Was it, was it convenient,
2: do we think? Yeah, not for me. Uh, I mean, I normally would buy into a, a you no know, Ferrari. Uh, well, FIA used to be, supposedly ferrari international assistance didn't it and particularly in monza but uh and in fact i will touch on something later when it's uh when it comes up about ferrari assistance but not this time i think uh it was it was a, it wasn't a black and white ruling anyway it was a new one they'd introduced and it was open to the the steward's interpretation and when you watch it back clearly most of the time like they were just getting out of the way of cards. So, you know, you're stuck in between two rules there. You can't go as quickly as wanted and also not hold people up. So I think it was fair enough.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm I think I'm think with you there, James. It, it seemed fair to me. Abby, does it seem fair to you?
1: Yeah, I agree completely with what James has said. But obviously it was a relief because Verstappen didn't get pole. It was Carlos Science who took pole position ahead of Verstappen, who was P2 and Leclerc P3. And obviously, the Tifosi and the crowd at Monza went wild for that. But you also had Piastri outscoring Norris. And Hamilton and Alonso struggled in that session because Alonso qualified 10th and Hamilton qualified 8th. So,
2: yeah, that was Q3. It was a weird one because, like, it seemed to be... they For all the the normal chaos of trying to get the toe and, you know, how much you can gain from the toe... It seemed that the drivers, and we saw it in F2, which was like ridiculous, the massive traffic jam, like uh, 2019, I think it was, in the F1, where no one actually made their lap. But this, it seemed like they weren't sure whether the tow was the the better option or not. A lot of the drivers who didn't get the tow actually got the faster times. Uh, I saw the interview with George Russell after, and he was saying, I think it was, it was better without the tow. And he obviously, yeah, got four places higher than Lewis. So, yeah, it was a weird one for Monza.
0: Yeah, I agree. The chaos in F two um, was it, it was hard to watch, really. It because you knew what was going to happen, and ah, that, that, uh, I, I don't know. I just I just said this is Monza qualifying every year. We get it, but it didn't translate into F one. And I think maybe they had watched that and thought we can't do this. They did it last year. They did it the year before. Um, Abby, any takes on the the Monza qualifying?
1: Well, I was going to touch on the Russell interview because him and Albon were discussing it and Albon was like, oh no, I made sure every time I got the toe and then Russell was obviously saying I didn't. So it, it's very chaotic and I was a bit like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Are they going to get their laps in time? Or all of them get their laps in time? But thankfully they all did and we had Ferrari on pole at Monza.
0: I've got to be honest, there's nothing better than seeing Ferrari do well um, in Italy. It's absolutely epic. So, uh, yeah, I, I was I was happy with that result. And, you know, it wasn't the predictable, dare I say, Verstappen on pole. Um, it created a little bit of drama for the race. Uh, J- James, were you, were you happy to see Ferrari? I mean, I know you're a, you're a Leclerc fan deep, deep down, but still, right? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, Ferrari on pole in ones
2: that they need it. <laughs> They've had a, a tough... I mean, I was going to say year, couple of years, few years, couple of decades. That I think, yeah, it's it's nice to see Ferrari do well on home soil, and then it was always going to be. You were always thinking, how long can he hang on realistically? Uh, and well, we'll we'll get into that now. But uh, it was longer than I expected it to be.
0: Okay, so before we go on to the race, we're going to do the world-famous National Anthem review. We'll be back in just a moment. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. So it is that time of the week, we are told it's some people's favourite time of the the podcast Um, I don't think it will be this week Uh, Let's talk about the National Anthem um, for the Italian Grand Prix at Monza What would you rate it out of ten, Abby, and why?
1: I've given it a seven Because, you look really shocked that I gave it a seven I I, I
0: am, I am
1: It. it was traditional. All the crowd was singing. You had the flyover, obviously, and you had the people to the side all dressed in the flags' colours, which I thought was a nice little addition. Um, so it's so give fashion it seven. based
2: for you every week. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's,
0: Depends it's what seven. they're wearing, doesn't it? Do you have it on mute? Well. <laughs> You're just like
2: <laughs> no. I mean, but no, I, I will agree with pretty much all of that. Actually, uh, I give it six point five out of ten. I thought, yeah, the, the passion it's such a good anthem it's you know the, like you say it's so passionate and particularly with the operatic kind of delivery and the flyover is it is always great and uh, there's always a really good photo from the flyover as well i remember there's one in particular of, of lewis and seb from back then uh, of the, the two of them looking up at the green white and red uh well i'm not sure what they're called what are the italian red arrows Uh, for whatever they are.
0: (laughs) I'm not sure. Um, You're right about the picture, James, because I always use it on the podcast cover, right? Every year I use that fly over. I do it for the British Grand Prix as well. Um, It it, it is epic. Uh, The the national anthem of Italy is probably my favorite i absolutely love it it's a banger it's a, it's a banger. banger there's there's so much passion i get up at you know i dance around the room uh, not literally um but no it's one of the best ones i just felt it was a bit bland um i didn't f- i feel like with that anthem you can do so much more than they did and they did try uh one year uh, well a few years ago didn't they with um Andrea Bocelli, and the mic mm-hmm. wasn't switched on. That would have been absolutely epic. This time I just thought it was a bit bland. So, yeah, I'm going to go six. On the Mackenzie scale, obviously, so that means that five is is average. Yeah, yeah. So, that is the end for the Formula Nerds National Anthem <laughs> Review. So, let's talk about the Italian Grand Prix. I think we actually need to start before lights out, really, don't we? Because <laughs> it was... Um, I not well, Lights went orange. The That's lights, the yeah. They didn't go red and then green. They didn't. Well, they don't actually go green, do they? But yeah. So, watching, we knew what was going to happen. We knew that race wasn't going to start. But it was just the chaos that followed. And people running up and down a pit lane, like, right, can we go to the cars? Can't we go to the cars? Oh my God, the car's going to overheat. Um, it was just a bit of a shambles from the sofa that i was sitting on um james how, how would you have uh, read that situation it is difficult there's not much you can do in that scenario yeah. is there like they obviously tried to to make it work with just the extra lap
2: uh i mean i think every in isolation every decision they made made sense you know they tried to just quickly do the the one aborted start background extra parade lap and get the car wheeled off, but then once it became apparent it was stuck in gear, then you need to get the uh, yeah the vehicle involved to to remove it, and from there it was always going to be yeah a, a delay. I, the only thing I was surprised was yeah the the length of delay until they announced the delay, and the fact that yeah like you say they're all waiting to do a hundred meter sprint at the end of the pit lane and worried about the cars overheating that was a bit odd not sure why that happened but yeah you know it was not the end of the world um apart from i had to go to work immediately after the race so not ideal for me but in the grand scheme of things fair enough
0: it did feel like, to me, um, Abby, I want your take, it felt like, right, okay, we have now committed to bringing the teams out onto the uh, onto the starting grid. There therefore must be a long delay so they have time to plug everything in and then unplug it again. That's sort of how it felt. But, you know, they were queuing like fans to get out of that pit lane. It was a bit like the track invasion after the race, to, to me.
1: Yeah, it was. And you could see them all sprinting with all the equipment that they needed. And I think... A couple of them actually climbed onto the track before everyone else went on. It was a bit chaotic. I'm glad that they managed to then sort it out. Obviously, it did delay it, but Sonoda's car did need removing. Um, but yeah, they, they got it sorted and settled in the end, after all the drama.
0: So, so I was talking to someone about this, and they said this delay, this was at the time, they said it's only going to favour Max Verstappen because he is... Well, they didn't say this, but... it. To put it into words, he's cool as a cucumber, right? It's not going to phase him, this delay. You know what he's got to do. He's not going to, you know, lose his mindset. It's it's not going to trouble him. Um, And it sort of seemed like that was true. Max didn't go wild into the first corner. He was still cool, calm, collected. Um, Whereas, you know, if you're starting on pole in a ferrari that pressure right you've you've psyched yourself up to that to those lights out and then they don't go out you've then got to rebuild that where i think max is just sitting there going well i'm going to win the world championship anyway um i'm going to overtake you anyway it's just a matter of when um do, do you think that the, the the there was any psych- psychological warfare um from from that uh, delay at all <laughs> i mean i know i think martin
2: on commentary said this favours the old heads yeah, yeah, the Lewis's, Fernando's, the people have been around the block and yeah, it doesn't mess with their rhythm so much uh, as maybe a, a newer driver. But I don't think anyone showed any signs of yeah it having affected them. I think everyone got away and, you know, the first chicane is always chaotic on lap one in Monza and they did, I think it was all right overall once we uh, we got down to it.
1: Yeah, I think if anyone, Science would have been the one under pressure, but he did seem to manage it quite well. I was surprised all of them made it through the first corner. I was expecting there to be smoke and gravel and like someone retiring, but it was good because they all made it through.
0: Yeah, it, it, it was, but Science and also Leclerc, what, what a good start they got. Yeah. Um, keeping number 1 keeping max behind max clearly didn't want to take any chances he just knew what he had to do um but it was the start of something for ferrari they had max behind them and um abby do you want to talk about how this how this sort of followed and the strategy of ferrari now i mean we this could be a, an hour conversation the strategy of ferrari but they i thought they managed it quite well during those uh, first few phases
1: They certainly did because science was ahead, and like you said, they managed to keep Max behind. And I thought Max was going to get into the lead a lot quicker than he actually did. But it was after multiple attempts to overtake science. It was on lap six he finally managed to get him down the main straight and into turn one, I believe. But you could see that science and Leclerc having P one and P three. This kind of gave them a renewed energy into this race i feel like because they haven't had a great season and there have been some blunders at ferrari with strategy calls and incidents and that but the way that they were both driving it was on the limit but it was respectful of the limit and it was good racing to actually see them having to actually battle max and not for max just to sail past after a few tries
0: I can't believe it was only lap six. It felt like a lifetime that they get Max (laughs) behind for. Was it, I was actually going to ask
2: that. I swear it was later than lap six. Was it really lap six, Amit?
1: No, it wasn't. It was actually lap 14. So apologies (laughs) for my typo (laughs) in my notes. But yeah, lap 14, which is still a lot later than I thought. I was Mm. expecting like lap three.
2: Yeah, no, same. I thought as soon as DRS became active I mean there's a lot of talk about DRS uh, but I think it was more here that Ferrari was just set for a straight line speed they really went for that obviously naturally around Monza everyone is uh, but it, it worked for them and every time Max got the DRS uh, Carlos had enough in the battery and in just uh, inherent straight line speed to just about keep him behind I think he got alongside him once or twice uh, before but he, he defended yeah as you say hard but fair just about
1: and with Ferrari's performance if you saw over the weekend Sky do a track dominance graphic and throughout lots of the sessions science actually was dominating a lot more of the track than Verstappen which was also a surprise to see
2: I I think Red Bull knowing they have so much straight line speed obviously kind of went for more downforce looking to to balance it out in the middle I remember Mercedes used to do that back in the day when they had the uh, you know the the class of the field engine
0: yeah, but there really wasn't that much overtaking. I mean, all the way through the field. But I felt like DRS was doing the job that it should do, where it was getting people in a position where they can overtake. If, the, if that zone had been, I don't know, um, 20, 30 metres longer, the, the, the move would have been done. Um, but I felt like it was it was getting drivers in the position that they can overtake, but they've still got to take a risk. And that's what I feel it's meant to do. Exactly,
2: and it, it, obviously it's so hard, like to to get it spot on in that where it's not too easy and it's not doing too little, and they they fine tune it every year. And obviously the cars change every year, but no, I, I agree. It was pretty much bang on this year. That was, and there weren't too many DRS trains, which are obviously normally a big issue in Monza. There were a couple, uh, and obviously the first stint there was the the Albon train. Uh, I think he was ahead of yeah he stayed ahead of the McLaren's. he got back ahead didn't he uh, so there was the albon train then but from there on there was there was yeah it wasn't like 12 cars in a row all stuck behind albon it was a bit more varied and there were even a couple of passes into ascari with the other drs trainer too at uh, drs zone
0: is Mm. Yeah, and I, I felt like for for once it was uh, certainly with Red Bull. It felt like they had to race, and you were actually seeing Max Verstappen having to take chances, yeah. having to think about it. And you know, Max was on the radio saying these guys are so fast in a straight line. I was thinking, hooray! Like he can't just pass them. And you know, with Perez, and th- let's talk about Perez because he made a real—I can't say the word on on air—but he made it look really difficult getting past um, some of the people on the field. But. That it, it, it really just felt like racing again to me and you know equal machinery with, with that DRS being you know primed in so perfectly I just thought yeah you've got to take a risk to overtake and we saw Perez struggle with that um but admittedly yeah he, he made his way through the field and so did some other drivers but there was that element of is he gonna do it is he gonna do it it wasn't done 100 meters before the before turn one no it
1: wasn't and I can't count how many times I watched Perez try and overtake Russell or Perez try and overtake Science or any driver try and overtake another one where I was like sat behind my hands just like peeking through my fingers because I was so scared that they were gonna clash and someone was gonna be out because it was hard racing. It was fair sometimes. Obviously, some drivers went off the track and then were like, oh, he pushed me off when they didn't, apart from Hamilton and Piastri, but we'll get onto that. But It was really good racing. And like you said, Oli, I feel like the DRS did do its job to get them just close enough. And then it's down to the driver to take that risk and make that assessment and try and get ahead.
2: Well, yeah, let's talk about those, that first chicane battles throughout the race. What do you guys think? Do you think the defending drivers were lucky to escape penalties? Do you think that's just how it goes in that corner? Obviously everything for the foreseeable future will be compared to Lewis and Max in 2021 at that corner, inevitably. And I think there are a couple of interesting parallels there uh, that I'll come back to.
0: I mean, it's a really good question, James, because, I I mean, I I, I even think we need to take it back a few hundred metres because those Ferraris were weaving in the braking zone, right? There's no debating that whatsoever. Um, it, It was it was verging on dangerous, but I, I'm not going to say bad because it, it made it more entertaining. But I think uh, Lando Norris went off uh, over those humps so many times. Right. And, and I, I felt like it was actually racing yeah, you know, where you, you do have runoff area. So, you know, you can take a little bit more of a chance there. And it did feel at the same time it was all or nothing because, okay, you do have a runoff, but you're, you're also risking hitting them. Um, I, I feel like it's the way it should be, to answer your question. I, I feel like I would like to see that sort of approach more, even though some were questionable.
1: I echo what Ollie said. I think it. I didn't like the amount of overtaking that was just, or amount of attempts at overtaking that was happening in that corner because it seemed like that was the one of the only places where they could overtake at this circuit. But it was good to watch, obviously not that great for stress levels as a viewer or a driver, I can probably think, but it was good to watch that kind of racing that was on the limit and sometimes maybe a little questionable, like Ollie said, but also other times just enjoyable to watch.
2: It's just such a good corner. Like it's, it's perfect in that. Yeah, obviously it is the natural main overtaking opportunity on on the track uh the longest circuit the drs zone as well but it's just yeah it's just on the borderline where you can kind of make it round if you both nail it and, and we saw that with lewis and alex at the in the last few laps that they somehow actually made it round uh side by side but it is rare and yeah, that opens the question to whether being forced out there when you're pretty much fully alongside is fair or not. Now, the the two parallels that I was saying I'll come back to, there was uh, obviously Carlos and Max and Max showing that, well, you could say that he showed that he does race, or at least Lewis Hamilton in a title battle differently to everyone else. I don't know if you you believe that. Obviously, it's it's circumstance, isn't it? That day in 2021, he knew if he didn't get past Lewis there, you know, it was it was a bad day for him in the title battle. Here, he knows I'll get you later, so he backs out. I think it did show there that for all Max said about you know that's what you get for not leaving space, it could have been different on that day too. Um, But the other thing I thought was the the McLarens when they came together, that was even more similar in that it was uh, Oscar coming out of the pits as it was in 2021, Lewis coming out of the pits. And it showed when you're on cold tyres on that inside line from the pit lane exit, you just can't. Like, Oscar is a very, very fair driver we've seen, and he is not going to, if it were possible to not hit your teammate, he would have done it. So I think all the people who said Lewis didn't leave Max enough room, I think you can see from that, you can't leave more room there on fresh tyres coming out of the pits.
0: I think also the beauty of turn one and turn two is you've had that initial battle and you've had that squabble where you're—it's almost like another standing start, right? Where where you're then, you then you've got the swooping right hander where you're full speed and it is literally who's got the yeah. balls to do it. Yeah. And, you know, we saw some fantastic battles and this is what made the race so good for me. And you can hear I'm sounding passionate here because it was passionate racing where you know, we had the two Ferraris next to each other. Who, who's going to blink? Who's going to, who's going to hold it in there? Um, we had Lewis and to go to Piastri. Um, let's talk about that because Piastri, he has come into F1 and he's, you know, he had a couple of races, slow start, but he's shown what he can do. He's shown the pace he's got. And what he showed to me on Sunday was, I'm also not scared of world champions. Um, And I think that sort of mentality for Piastri to go, yeah, you're Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. I will still do what I need to do. And the contact, I mean, It was really surprising. When I first saw it, I thought, yeah, okay, it's Piastri's fault, but maybe I'm a bit biased. Um, Looking back, it was sloppy from Lewis Hamilton. Um, What did you guys make of that? And what do you think of all the battles we had in in that section of the track?
1: I was very disappointed that they came together because McLaren is one of my favourite teams and Mercedes, and I like both drivers. But yeah, like you said, Piastri has really come into his own especially in the last few races and I think he's not viewing Lewis as okay you're a seven-time world champion you're Lewis Hamilton an F1 driver in a Mercedes that isn't top of the field this year so I can baffle you and I'm going to and yes it was Hamilton's fault; he did get a five second penalty but after the race he did admit that he did go to Piastri and he did apologize and be like look I made a mistake I'm sorry and for Piastri it was a shame because he had a really good and strong performance in that race and qualifying up till that point but he still managed to bring it back yes he didn't score points but he still had a good result in the end I think because he was only 12th so only a couple of positions off of point scoring places
2: yeah it was a shame for Oscar um and yeah like you said Lewis immediately took culpability even like on the radio immediately after which is so rare for a driver everyone you know uh, the guy in the other Mercedes would definitely be like oh he turned into me and then maybe admit it later like, uh, and yeah Lewis went and, and you can see that on the footage of Oscar's um, onboard camera he went and said sorry straight away after the race uh, yeah it was just a one of those things and Oscar said himself you know it's a narrow bit of track it, it's easy to do now it was definitely Lewis's fault and five seconds was pretty much bang on this is what I was talking about the uh, the Ferrari international assistance though that I said I'd come back to is do you remember when Charles and Lewis were battling for the win in 2019 in Monza, I think that is almost identical. I would need to look at it back, but I think that's identical. It's just Lewis went out onto the grass on that day, and Oscar tried to stay on the track, and then obviously the the tires touched, and Charles obviously escaped without a penalty there. And I, I didn't anyone make uh, didn't see anyone make that comparison, but yeah, I thought that was worth noting because they're very very similar. Just to squeeze, just probably that little bit less than a a car less on the outside
0: yeah you're right i i I do remember that um but it's i don't know it it was good that i mean number one it was good lewis hamilton managed to stay on well in the on the track in the race um it was (laughs) i don't know how he saved that it was incredible I think we've got to talk about the two Ferraris going at it. And I know we've missed a few points of this race, but we've got to pick the highlights. And the highlight of this race for me was seeing um, uh, Sainz and Leclerc gloves off. There was no holding back whatsoever. Now, I, I did wonder, right, wh- when a Ferrari going to get on the radio and say, guys, <laughs> you need to bring it home? Um, but they didn't. And, you know, if you if you work for Ferrari, you're probably thinking, this is really bad. This is this is going to be terrible. Uh, we're going to have a double DNF. And I thought they were going to have a double DNF. But the racing that it brought along with it, uh, it was a thing to me of beauty. Uh, I just absolutely loved watching it. Abby, did you feel the same? And it also around Monza, it just makes it extra special, doesn't it?
1: It does, but it was so stressful watching it at home, not knowing what was going to happen. Because it's Ferrari at Monza, like you said, and they were battling each other hard. And I think Leclerc's engineer said, look, like you can fight, you can race, but no unnecessary risks. And it was so good to see. I think that's the highlight of the race for me, like the takeaway point, because yes, they didn't get the win, but they were performing so well all throughout that race. And It was a really, really strong, entertaining battle that was just great racing. And it was it was just great to see, especially this year with obviously with max dominance. You don't get a lot of fighting up front, but they were still battling each other, fighting for the podium and ultimately science won. But it was just really good to see.
2: Yeah, it was such good racing. And I loved uh, just, out, they showed after the race, Charles going up to Freddy Vasseur and checking his pulse. I thought that was great. You know, they, they <laughs> like, oh no, it was brilliant. And like, obviously he had a laugh between them, but no, really good to see. Great battling. Yeah, a couple of nervy moments. I think when Charles locked up and I think Carlos as well locked up once and you kind of just thought, oh, they're going to come together, aren't they? But they, they managed to, to get both cars home and yeah, that was a, a great end to the
0: race. Because at the end of the day, right, they're both racing drivers. They're both racing for Ferrari and there's, that that last spot on the podium neither of them are going to give that up you know the chance to be a ferrari driver on the podium at monza is something you know it's once in a lifetime okay it wasn't for the win but i think this season certainly for those two that was as good as a win if not better um just to be able to be up there so yeah it was it was fantastic and thank god they didn't come together otherwise this would be a very very different conversation um but we did see them on the podium now we have to mention the man who we've barely mentioned, um, Max Verstappen. He did it. Ten in a row. This is something that we have never, ever seen before in F1. I'm sure everyone listening is aware that is a record. Ten consecutive wins taken from Sebastian Vettel, who had nine. What do you guys... What's your take on this? I mean, it, it was inevitable. We knew it was going to... We knew it was going to happen um, in case... Unless there was some drama. But Max He's 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 just, he's not human. I'm sure of it. He, he's not human. Um, this era of dominance is just, some say boring. I'm starting to see it as as something I admire and something I'm enjoying seeing. Okay, maybe not next season. I think, all right, have your season, Max, and then let's get back to uh, uh, fighting at the front. But uh, Abby, what did you think? It, Max has been also a guy who doesn't care about stats, doesn't care about records. But when he got out of that car, he held 10 fingers up. He knew exactly what he had just done.
1: He did and it was it is great to see history being made that way because like you said it is a record I don't know if anyone can beat it because Max is just in a league of his own and as someone who's not a Max fan it's it is difficult to watch him just like Dominate all season long and not have to fight for it, but we did see him have to fight in this race. And some teams are getting close. Obviously, the championships are Red Bulls and Max's, but it was great to see. It was a shame that we didn't actually see much of him, and quite a few other drivers didn't actually get mentioned throughout the broadcast, which was a shame because he did make history. And um, yeah, congratulations to Max.
2: Well, it's always the way, isn't it? When you've uh, when you're just out front. Uh, we've seen that with many a, a, a driver who's constantly winning in the past. So they didn't get that much uh, yeah, TV time. But yeah, what else can you say? I mean, it would be nice if uh, at some point in my son's life, someone else won because he still hasn't seen anything but a Max Verstappen <laughs> win. Uh, he's now seen someone else lead a lap, at least. There was a, a couple of races uh, where he hadn't seen that. Was, was he happy uh, about that? But no, I mean, yeah, well, he was ecstatic, yeah. Um, <laughs> No, so it's, what can you say? It's just everything aligning perfectly. Max is, yeah, on another plane. The team is operating perfectly. And and you need the luck as well. Like we've seen even in the most dominant Mercedes eras where, okay, so realistically 2020, because in the 2014 to 16, you had Lewis and Nico and taking wins off each other. Um, but Lewis, where he had the measure of Bottas in 2020 in the best cars still for all the wins he took that year, it, the, the stars didn't align in the, in the same way they have now it, at Italy that year, we got the Gasly win because of that crazy situation with the pit lane and the, and Lewis getting the penalty for coming in when the pit lane had closed. And, you know, it's those little things where even the closest you come to that was probably the last race Dutch Grand Prix. It looks like chaos, but still Somewhere, somehow, Max came out on top. So, yeah, you can only say well done and, and appreciate the history being made.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think any any F one fan um, knows these eras of dominance. Um, it, it's not it's not new to us. I mean, this one is uh, particularly dominant, but. Um, Yeah, we've got to take our hat off to him. And um, also his teammate, he he did well. I I don't think we've got time to go into all the details about every driver on the grid. But um, Abby, would you like to run us through the top 10? Mainly because my computer has melted and I've had to close everything.
1: (laughs) Yes. So during the race, Sargent actually got a five-second time penalty for a collision. So he finished 13th after he was running in the points at one point. But it was Verstappen, who won Perez in P2, Science P3, Leclerc P4, Russell in 5th ahead of Hamilton, Albon in 7th, Norris in 8th, Alonso in ninth, and Bottas in 10th and Ocon retired from the race and Sonoda obviously didn't start.
0: Okay, so let's move on to our driver of the day. I'm going to start today. I'm just going to do it because I can. I'm going to go for Liam Lawson. What a guy. What a guy. Second race in F1. Um, now, I know Monza has a has a history of being good to people who have to step in, i.e. Nick De Vries. Um, But I thought Liam Lawson, for the past two races he's been, he's held himself. He's done what he needs to do. And I'm not sure he could be doing much more with the opportunity he's been given. So I'm going to go for Liam Lawson. Uh, James, over to you.
2: I'll agree with the public, um,
0: which is rare uh,
2: in this segment. Normally uh, they give it to Checo for fighting back from ninth to second in the best car on the grid. But no, they, they picked Carlos and I'm going to pick Carlos as well. I think, uh, yeah, hanging onto that podium, defending for as long as he did. It's a shame he locked up. Uh, and that's when Max got through, because I do wonder how long he could have kept him him behind there and uh, if we'd seen something more than lap 14 or six, whatever it was. Um, yeah, I think Carlos was a deserving driver of the day.
0: And Abby?
1: I'm going to give it to Albon because I think he performed really well over the whole weekend he battled hard managed to hang on and keep some mercedes and mclarens behind him and he did some good defending and came home in p7 scoring some good points
0: i think all of those are, are good shouts I, i'm okay with all of those those were the oh, three i had good. in my head is there, <laughs> as the
2: backups depending on what you guys <laughs> picked
0: so it, it was a great grand prix and um, there is no race this weekend um, but we'll be back talking about something not sure what yet. We haven't decided. We'll, we'll decide after we've uh, gone off air. Um, but, Abby, I feel, I feel like we might need to take this segment out because it's getting so repetitive. But would you like to do the championship standings?
1: <laughs> yes. So, obviously... Red Bull are first in the constructors on 583 points. Mercedes are in second on 273, so a massive gap there. Ferrari a third ahead of Aston Martin in fourth. McLaren a fifth. Alpine sixth. William seventh. Haas in eighth. Alfa Romeo in ninth. And Alfa Tari in tenth.
0: I will now fill whilst Abby takes a breath. And the drivers.
1: <laughs> Max Verstappen is obviously first on 364 points. Perez is second on 219. Then you have Alonso in third, Hamilton in fourth, Science in fifth, Leclerc in sixth, Russell in seventh, Norris in eighth, Stroll in ninth, and Gasly in tenth. Only one point ahead of Ocon and Piastri.
2: So yeah, the takeaways there really, Ferrari have jumped Aston. You know, Aston looked a pretty sure fire thing for second at one point uh, in the Constructors and L. I don't know if they'll be able to to get back past Ferrari. I guess we'll see uh, what tracks suit which teams in the remainder. But yeah, they've
0: uh, somehow not ended up in the top three despite having often the second best car yeah there's definitely a podcast coming on stroll we need to talk we need to talk yeah. about lance stroll um maybe we'll do that next whilst there's no race but um well thank you very much guys i'm glad you enjoyed the race it's it's uh, it's always nice when we sit and we, we 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 are happy about the race we've witnessed rather than yeah, it was rubbish um so <laughs> um abby thank you very much for joining me
1: Thank you for having me. And I'd just like to congratulate Gabrielle Bortoletto for being the 2023 F3 champion this year.
0: Indeed. Indeed. And uh, James McKenzie, thank you very much. Pleasure. Uh, I'll congratulate Ollie
2: Behrman on winning the F2 because uh, he, he's deserved that. Uh, and you, you, well done, Ollie, on, on surviving the podcast. Go and have a cold shower.
0: Well, that's what we've got time for. We will see you next time. Goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go! Away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.